Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies. You're listening to The Jam Price Show, all about movies, and today it is my honor to welcome back to the show producer, director, writer, playwright, Oscar, Emmy, Peabody Award-winning, Writers Guild Award-winning, and the list goes on and on, George Stevens Jr. Welcome back to the show, George. Oh, thank you so much, Jan. <clears throat> it's a pleasure having you back on. Last year when we recorded the show, you had just published your autobiography, My Place in the Sun, and you were in the midst of doing the audiobook at that point in time, and now the audiobook is out. So we're here to talk a little bit more about the audiobook as, and many other things that we couldn't cover. You've had such an incredible life, so many things to discuss, so I'm, I'm excited to jump back in again. Yes, indeed. And it was a lovely seeing you at the Turner Classic Movie Film Festival when you introduced Penny Serenade, which is one of my all-time favorite movies. It's definitely in my top ten, and it's always one I need to watch every year. Yes, it is. That and Giant. There's a lot that your father has done, his movies that are in my top 10. But that's one I have to see every year around Christmas time. It gets me every single time. I don't care how many times I've seen it. And to hear your perspective on it, your father's perspective on it, was just enriched the whole experience so much more. Uh, and it was just a great interview with you and Ben and, uh, oh God, who else was oh, there? And uh, Alexander Payne. Alexander Payne, exactly, exactly. Uh, a wonderful director. And it is. Isn't it wonderful to see a film like that? Hard to believe. What is it? 80 years old or more on a big screen, a modern movie screen with an audience. And just and it plays like a new movie. I mean, it's just amazing. It is. The act, Cary Grant and, and Irene Dunn are just so special, you know, and simple and, you know, comedy that's graceful. You know, they're not they're not acting funny. That humor comes out of their characters in the situation. Real pleasure. It is. And, you know, it's it, you're right. I have never seen it with an audience before and to hear laughter at certain points you know with an audience was just it just enriched it you know it it truly did and then you know the tissues all came out later on and (laughs) it is Cary to me it is Cary Grant's best performance ever and he's always wonderful in everything he did but I think that particular performance was really one of his best and your father really was able to pull out something completely different in Carrie in this particular film because you know Carrie's Carrie you know and we go to see Cary Grant movie for because he does what he does and he does it well but this particular movie was a little different and against type for him so I thought your father did an excellent job in directing him and getting the performance he did wasn't Carrie um, nominated for an Oscar for this role that was his first Oscar nomination, yes. Well, there's so much to talk about. Again, you've had such an amazing life. I do want to jump in. There's a lot of things to talk about. I want to talk, I want to get into more detail of AFI. What made you decide to start the American Film Institute? You were one of the co-founders of the American Film Institute. and once- Well, I had kind of left Hollywood at 29 to uh, go to Washington and do some public service uh, in the Kennedy administration. Edward R. Murrow, a great broadcaster, had right. taken over as head of the United States Information Agency. So I went to work making films to show abroad, telling America's story abroad. And during that time, President Kennedy appointed the first First National Arts Council, 25 distinguished citizens and the great artists planning for the new 
National Endowment for the Arts, which was about to come. And when the National Endowment for the Arts was announced, they didn't know what to do about film. Mm -hmm. They knew how to give grants to symphony orchestras or ballet companies. And because I was in Washington and kind of prominent in terms of film, they came to me and I suggested an American Film Institute that would train new filmmakers, preserve the many, many films that were endangered of being lost and do other good things for film. And then I was asked to run it. I agreed to do it. So we started the AFI. At that time, I mean, you've preserved how many films over the years? I I think the number, there are 37,000 movies in the AFI collection in the Library of Congress, movies that have been preserved and are safe forever. That's amazing. And and it's so, it's so needed. And I think I might have mentioned last year, I saw a documentary about people all over the world who are doing exactly that, preserving films in different countries. And they're like detectives trying to find the film because, as you know, nitrate was what was used and it didn't last very long, right? Exactly. It was the film, the motion picture film that was used up until the 1940s from the early in the century was on this very fragile stock called nitrate film stock. And it was very inflammable. Archives would burn up because one piece of film would catch fire and it would also just deteriorate. You could open a can of film and there'd be nothing but sort of junk there. And you were able to, through this, I believe, see your grandmother, who was an actress, a film actress. And because of preserving the film, is that correct? Um, You were able to see her on the big screen? I was. My mother's mother, Alice Howell, I hesitate because both of my grandmothers and my great-grandmother were actresses. I have to identify that Alice Howell was a silent film star. She was in the first five films that Charlie Chaplin made and went on to be her own star of her own comedies. And she was retired when I was young. And so we never talked much about it. And I kind of knew she'd been in movies. And then I never saw her movies because very few of them were preserved. And then more recently, there's been all through the preservation efforts. And so I had the kind of wonderful adventure not many years ago going to the AFI Theater in Silver Spring, Maryland, and seeing my grandmother on the big screen with an organ and music and just the way the silent films looked in those days. Her name was Alice Howell. What a thrill, though. What a thrill to be able to see her all those years later on the big screen. Uh Very amazing. Is there one film that stands out that AFI has preserved that for you meant the most or really was the whole journey of trying to preserve a film? Is there something Well, I I think it's more a collective thing that there's just so many of these films that wouldn't exist had it not been for this effort. But one just sort of comes to mind, John Ford, the great director, his first film was called Straight Shooting and it was lost and it was found in Czechoslovakia because the prince of films used to tour the world and so the Straight Shooting is preserved but it has Czech subtitles. Oh, that's going to be fascinating to watch. It's amazing. And then you've started the Lifetime Achievement Awards through AFI. How did that get started? Well, I, I guess an idea of mine, I thought that we, there were the awards every year for the best this and the best that. And the AFI was more about preserving films and the films that last. And so we started the AFI Life Achievement Award to recognize an individual whose work had stood the test of time mm-hmm. for their career, not for their best of this year or that year. And it's, it's kind of a wonderful 
wonderful tradition because that really is the, that phrase, the test of time, which was sort of at the heart of AFI. 1952, I went to the Academy Awards with my father. He'd been away at war for three years and come back and, and he had a film that was nominated. And I sat next to him at, I think it was the Grauman's Chinese Theater and uh, Joseph Bankowitz came on the stage. He had won the Oscar the year before for All About Eve. And he read the nominees, uh, John Houston for The African Queen, William Wyler for Detective Story, Vincent Minnelli for An American in Paris, Edia Kazan for A Streetcar Named Desire, and George Stevens for A Place in the Sun, his film with Montgomery Clift and Elizabeth Taylor, mm-hmm. Shelley Winters. And I wouldn't be telling you this story if John Houston had won. <laughs> and Brad won the Oscar, his first Oscar. And driving home that night, the Oscar was on the seat between us. He was driving the car. I think I was 18 or 17. And he looked over at me and he said, you know, he said, we'll have a better idea of what kind of a film this is in about 25 years. Mm-hmm. That was a time when movies came and went. There were no cinematechs. There were no DVD or streaming. And he understood this idea that that is what matters with a work of art. And then what many years later, he could not have known that the young man sitting next to him would one day head an American film institute. But it really became the core idea of the AFI, this idea of the test of time. Just amazing. In this audiobook, I, George, I have to tell you, I loved reading your autobiography last year. And for anybody who loves, who's looking for a good beach read this year, I highly recommend getting the book. But I really, really enjoyed the audiobook even more because you have such a wonderful, lilting voice. And to hear your expression about your life and all these, I mean, you have such a recall. I was wondering if you had kept journals throughout your life. I know that your family preserved a lot of things. So you were fortunate that you had a lot of these things already. But your recall is just truly amazing. But I just loved listening to it because then I could be doing other things, you know, doing the dishes or whatever. And, you know, listening. But for people who have long rides to work every day and home and you're stuck in traffic, this is a great, great, great audiobook. And I highly, highly recommend it because there's so much to it. I mean, again, I just there's so much that I wanted to ask you. I have tons of things to ask you. By the way, I lived a block away from the George Eastman house. Oh, really? I did. No, wonderful, yes. Yeah. Gosh, they were real pioneers. They came before the AFI. Yeah. And yeah. we enlisted James Card, who was uh, running it as, uh, in this rescue film rescue operation. He was very valuable. Uh, but, you know, recording My Place in the Sun um, reminded me, just going through the book again, that what you know, I do take, I did take notes and I kept track of things, uh, but I also have a, a good memory because also I was involved in so many things that were memorable. Mm-hmm. Um, that stimulates your memory. Right. Um, and I realized that, you know, between the AFI, that Life Achievement Award, and the Kennedy Center Honors, which I originated and did for 37 years. Right. Now, I want to talk about that. Go ahead. Though. And Go for ahead. that, we honored 198 of America's greatest artists while I was doing it. And so for my wife, Liz and me, so many fascinating people were part of our lives, right. you know, and in recording the book and going, you know, going back over it, uh, just reminded me that it really was the people that I became engaged with and new that make the story, you know, so tellable 
and why people seem to enjoy it so much because you know there are these so many of these stories and and they're kind of to the point and uh so but it really was such a uh, privilege to know of all of these extraordinary people. Oh, you, you, again, you, you've, you've had an extraordinary life, and uh, and you had a front row seat to not only Hollywood but to Washington D.C. I mean, you you have you know worked with what I think at least seven presidents along the way uh, in various capacities, and uh, you know the Kennedy Center Center Awards were something it was a must see every year. I mean, my family lived in Fairfax, Virginia. I think I might have mentioned that before, and uh, and and so we would watch the Kennedy Center Awards every year when I would come visit for Christmas, and uh, this year I went to visit some friends. And it was on, and I said, "Oh, have you ever, you know, have you seen it?" And they had never seen the Kennedy Center Awards, and they absolutely, absolutely loved it. And then at the end, your name was on the credits, and I was so excited <laughs> that you're still on the credits there. <laughs> but such a, you know, that, that's it, all that you're right. All the wonderful people that you've honored through the years. Let's tell mm-hmm. the audience a little bit how that how that came about. How you created the Kennedy Center Awards? Well, I was. Um I was in Washington and I had President Kennedy was an inspiration for me. And, and he used, he, he, his language was so elegant and uh, compelling. Uh, there was one, I wrote down at one point, you know, he, he, he talked about the ancient Greek definition of happiness, which is the fullest use of one's powers along lines of excellence. Mm. And I thought about it, and I said, he, he, he and Ed Murrow have given me a job, which is Greek happiness. I was making, bringing in filmmakers, young filmmakers, to make 300 documentaries a year to show overseas, and we aspired to excellence. Mm. And, and, and but another, he also spoke, he said that I look forward to an America that will not be afraid of grace and beauty, mm-hmm. that will reward achievement in the arts the way we reward achievement in business and statecraft. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the AFI had its offices in the Kennedy Center in Washington, which is President Kennedy's memorial. So I proposed this idea that we would honor these great American artists, do just what Senator Kennedy proposed, um, and that became the Kennedy Center Honors. Uh, that we broadcast on CBS and um, and the presidency, successive presidents have all attended it. Amazing, amazing. And just so everybody knows, it's on between Christmas and New Year's, usually around Wednesday <laughs> on CBS. I'll give Maybe them a big plug. Using the first week of December, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, you you recorded earlier in 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 the year, but then it's broadcast uh, later. It's um, well, we, um, yeah, yes, but not much earlier. No, it's usually broadcast very soon after we do it. Yeah, yeah, and it's just always wonderful. I mean, to, you know, to see the all of these amazing again amazing people and what they've done and see their lives and have people honor them it's it, it just it's just a wonderful show it's entertaining and it's you know it's something that makes you cry and, <laughs> and google, google led zeppelin or leontine price or steve martin and you can find their kennedy center honors uh performances on youtube yeah and bono <laughs> And Bono. <laughs> Bono. I mean, you have 
<laughs> you know, you've had so many amazing people. It's it's, it's wonderful. I, I you know you you're the AFI also created uh, a place to. Uh, for up and coming filmmakers, Barbara Koppel, who's been on my show before, uh, right. is one of the, you know, first Oscar, she won her first Oscar for a documentary, um, back in the seventies. Uh, uh, you know, the, many, many people have gone through, but let's talk a little, backtrack a little bit to the AFI and about how, about that program. It's called the AFI Conservatory. Um, and, uh, it's established in 1969 to train as a bridge between education and filmmaking. And uh, some of the really, uh, uh, it's, it's now rated the number one film school in America. Yeah. And <clears throat> wonderful people have come from its ranks. I mean, long ago, David Lynch and Terrence Malick were two of the first and Paul Schrader. And uh, today, Patty Jenkins and the uh, the woman who, who directed Coda and so many others, Janusz Kaminski, who photographs all of Steven Spielberg films. And it really uh, it was a way to professionalize the teaching of storytelling. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it happily continues as, and wonderful people coming out yes. each year. Yes. Uh, yeah. Excellent. I mean, really is. Um, it's a wonderful conservatory, a wonderful school. And you're right. I mean, the names of people who have gone through it is just amazing as you go through it. Before we go, George, I really would like to talk a little bit about your son, Michael. Yes, indeed. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, just tell the audience a little bit about your son and who he just who he was and what you know he did also. Yeah, yeah Michael was. Um, uh, a very talented young man who didn't at first think movies was his thing, but then went into it and and really achieved so much. He directed two wonderful independent films. And then he came to work with me on the Kennedy Center Honors while doing his other film work. And he became really my partner on the honors. And he was a writer, a director, uh, and, you know, just brought so many gifts to it. And also, he was a wonderful son uh, with, with two uh, spectacular children, um, uh, Lily and and John Cooper Stevens, who are now young, just getting out of high school. And but Michael had a difficult time with cancer, and we lost Michael in 2015, which was a tremendous tragedy. Mm-hmm. Um, but we uh, kind of remember him so fondly because of his his humor and his creativity. Uh, uh, and I thank you for asking about Michael. Oh, you're welcome. I didn't want to let this interview go without, you know, honoring him in, in this interview because he did have a, a wonderful um, life also. And, uh, and you know, to lose somebody so young, and I can't imagine losing a child, what that would be like. So, uh, of course, I wanted to honor him in this interview. What for you... Um, Stands, you know, there's so much. I mean, you you have known all of the Kennedys, been very good friends with Ethel Kennedy, and obviously Robert Kennedy and John Kennedy, and and the rest of the family um, through the years. But what for you stands out that 
I mean, you have so many wonderful achievements, but is there something right now that when you think about your life that you want to be remembered for more than anything else? Oh, gosh. Well, you know, I did because I have such a, you know, if I just said, well, I've been a film director, you know, that would be easy. But I've done all of these things that uh, meant so much. I would say kind of one thing that pleases me, continues to please me, um, and it will celebrate its 40th anniversary next year, is the movie I made about my father after he died called George Stevens, A Filmmaker's Journey, which people kind of generously say is the best documentary ever made about a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had such a worthy one to make a film about. And that that's, was just on Turner Classic Movies last week. I got a lot of wonderful notes from people. And, and so there's that. And, uh, and I, but I'd say in a larger sense, you know, really influenced by my father and also by my mother, uh, uh, I was really encouraged towards excellence and kind of, uh, uh, I, you, you know, my father's films, comedies, dramas, whatever, are really kind of so rich for their humanity. Mm-hmm. And I've always appreciated that idea of the human condition. And uh, I think that along the way, if we can, in my case, make films that sort of elevate the human condition or show people they're better angels. Um, That's a kind of uh, rewarding thing to work for and to, uh, and to hopefully have achieved. And that's a good message for us all to remember right now more than ever, I believe. Uh, (laughs) You know, it's our better angels, you know, where union is more important than disunion. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> totally. And I also just want to, you know, one of the other things about you is that you've had a wonderful, long, beautiful marriage. And that's hard yeah. in this, today's world, and especially having come through Hollywood. And, and so I want, I admire that also. How many years have you been married? Well, uh, that, that, that. 57, I think. <laughs> yes. So that's, that's, a, that's a nice the record. Last, the last line of my book is something to the effect of, um, of all these uh, gifts and opportunities I've had, uh, my greatest reward is dining alone with my wife, Elizabeth. That's beautiful, beautiful. And that's, that's also something for us all to look up for, look up to also, uh, is, is that. What's next, George? What's next on your plate? <laughs> what are you going to do? Have a, very, a very ambitious project underway that I can't described specifically but it's uh it's going to be uh two seasons of streaming about a great time in american history um which is all i can say say about it okay well i'll have you back on the show and you can talk more about that i always look forward to having you back on there you have an open invitation anytime you want to come on you have just let me know and And we'll make room. I will come and talk to you about that. All right. Sounds great, George. Well, thank you. Everyone, please um, go find the audiobook to My Place in the Sun by George Stevens, Jr. Get it hardcover or you can get the audiobook. But it's a joy and um, it's just rich and and, and lots of history. But just it's it's a beautiful book. It's a beautiful book about a beautiful man. So I feel honored to have you back on the show, George. Thank you so much, Jan. You're very welcome. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye. 
To all my wonderful, loyal listeners, your love of film allows me to do what I do. If you want to support me, the best way to do that is to hit the subscribe button on the iHeart Podcast Network, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And of course, on YouTube. Subscribing matters. If you are feeling really compelled, I want to hear from you. Have a burning question, comment, or review? Drop me an email at the Jam show.com thank you for listening jam price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business the jam price show all about movies 